Welcome to the Meditation Ward. My name is Nadia Ward. I'm really excited to bring you this podcast where I talk to interesting people who also happen to be meditators. We talk about their stories, the way they got into meditation, and any tips or tools they'd like to share with you. Each week, there's a second episode, a guided meditation that we hope you'll enjoy. If you would like to start your own meditation practice, we would love you to check out our course, Exploring Meditation, a seven-week course designed by me, Nadia. Each week, you learn new tips and tools and how to create your own personal meditation practice that works for you. Follow us at The Meditation Ward on Instagram or go to the website, themeditationward.com. Sign up for our emails and check out our courses. And now on to the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Meditation Ward. I'm Nadia, and today I am stoked to have Shannon Torrance on the episode. She is a deeply empathic psychic medium. She's a voice actor and a Reiki practitioner who hosts the podcast Magic Israel, whose focus is near-death experiences and other spiritual transformative experiences. It is a really awesome podcast, so definitely check it out. And she's a music booking agent. There's really nothing you can't do, Shannon. (laughs) Thank you so much, Natty. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, We are friends and I'm happy about that. We met in Richmond and I met you because I called you and I had no friends and I wanted to join your yoga group and uh, your meetup and you were so welcoming and kind and I'm so happy that we met. I know that we are part of the same soul family and I'm excited that you asked me to be on your podcast, which is also wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. We talked, you called me about house music yoga and then we talked for like 25 minutes and then I was like, yo, just come to the yoga studio on me and we're having lunch. That's why you're the best. (laughs) We've been friends ever since. Yes. Even though now you live in Prescott, Arizona, we're still in touch and I'm in Nashville. So that's right. Yeah. Yes. How's Arizona? Arizona is absolutely beautiful. I always thought that I didn't like Arizona, but I had never been to the high desert and it is beautiful in the mountains. So if you think of Arizona as flat and super, super hot, you'd be right. But then there's also 6,000 feet up the mountain. It's actually green and lush and we're in monsoon season right now. So we have rain and thunderstorms and it's just absolutely dreamy. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I honestly don't know which is more interesting, depending on which way you're thinking or looking at it, of being a medium or being a voice actor. Um, yeah, well, uh, I have been a voice actor for since my 20s, um, and I've only recently become a medium. I mean, I think we're all born mediums. We just don't know it, or we don't believe in it, or we haven't cultivated it, or we forget that we can communicate with the other side, which isn't actually the other side. It's actually right here with us. It's just at a higher vibration. So, um, and I can tell you a little bit about that transition because it does, it is relevant to the topic at hand, which is meditation. Um, I was a voice actor for many, many years and I still am. And can you tell us how you got can you tell yeah. us how you got into voice acting because like I yeah. feel like it's a dream job when people hear that they're like oh cool it's like you get to be at home doing cool stuff making some cash by just like being behind the scenes so nobody even knows who you are when you go out exactly a and lot you're making of times, a full living yeah when people a lot of times when I say I'm a voice actor people don't even know what that means they're like what what is that um and so 
my I started studying voiceover, which is doing like animation voices, uh, video games, commercials, uh, e-learning, YouTube explainer videos, and that sort of thing. So I started about 25 years ago studying. I was working a job that I I liked. I didn't hate, but it was a, a definite uh, office space type of job. And I was taking, <laughs> it was definitely take, I was working for a shipping supplies company and taking inbound calls all day and taking orders by phone. But it was a very clock in, clock out kind of thing. And I really was not able to use my creativity in any way, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. So one day I was in the break room at the shipping supplies company and I saw an article for a voiceover school. And I don't even remember why I cut it out. I just was like, that sounds like it might be fun as an outlet. I got home. I was living You're with my You're also probably voice acting the whole time you were doing that job. You're putting on a kind I, voice. You're making people yes. like you and want to work with you. And and everybody. And also I used to do impersonations of the callers to my coworkers. And so they always would be, I was always cracking people up with, oh, this guy just called and he was, he was all like this, you know, like, and so I would just kind of like break into a bunch of characters, but I just took that for granted as that's just something that I can do. And so I got home, I was living with my parents at the time. And my mom said, Oh, hey, I just saw this thing in the paper today, I thought it might interest you. And it was the same article, and she cut it out as well. And so I talked to my parents about it. And my dad said, Listen, we sent your sister to grad school, and we didn't you didn't go to grad school. So if you'd like me to pay for this, I'll send you to acting school. So that's what I did for I kept my job and just kept studying. And then I had a demo made and then I moved up to LA and went to some networking group meetings and then got an agent and then from bam, there, bam, 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 bam. And, yeah. and then, it, can, it can be a very hard journey for a lot of people, but I guess it was, yeah, for me, it wasn't. Yeah. For me, it started out, I was one of those lucky people that sort of just had someone say, oh, I like your demo. Let me Get, get you in with this agent and it happened to be one of the best agents in LA and so I just started working out of the gate really fast which was and I and I didn't even really know what I was doing I mean I, I was really new to it but it went really well and um until then, until until dot 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 there uh so a few about four years ago I developed SIBO which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth only I didn't know what it was and what that does is it causes reflux, which causes vocal spasms, vocal cord dysfunction, because the acid is burning your vocal cords. And um, because I was misdiagnosed and they just kept giving me PPIs, which are antacids, the problem got worse and worse and worse. Um, and so before you know it, my vocal cords were in a spastic condition, so I couldn't even talk because vocal cords, if anyone is looking at this on film, um, you air this on YouTube as well? Um, um, yeah, some of them. Okay. Well, vocal cords are supposed to, if anyone's looking, it's like a wave. They're supposed to wait, gently touch each other in a wave formation kind of thing. And um, But mine were not closing. So air was just coming through my vocal cords and there was no control over like them closing. So when you don't have any, so here, here like, like this because there's no way to control it. So in a panicked attempt to try to continue to work, I would force them close, which then led to muscle tension dysphonia. 
And um, muscle tension dysphonia is when the muscles rewire in, an, in the wrong way um, because you're overcompensating for a deficit in, in the muscles. And so before you know it, your whole throat is locked up and you can't speak. So this went on for years and I had to stop working in voiceover and I got a vocal coach. And my vocal coach is very spiritual. And she said, and I said, how do I get this back? How do we train myself back? And she said, well, I'm not going to give you a time frame. And I know why now, because it it's taken four years I mean, to get my voice really back. Um, and she didn't want to discourage me. But what she said is, I want you to focus on your nervous system because muscle tension dysphonia is also a mind-body syndrome. It's also a... Um, panic attack. It's a panic disorder. It's actually classified along with PTSD and fibromyalgia as a stress disorder. So for me, it then became panic. Every time I would walk behind, get behind the mic, my throat would close up and I couldn't talk because the anxiety was so severe of what if my voice doesn't work. And so it becomes like your brain, your, your neural pathways change. And every time you go in the booth or you know, go to speak, your brain's like, oh, we're going to panic again because we don't, you know, we can't do this. And so then. And this is your livelihood. This is and your it's livelihood. my livelihood. Yes. And then it puts the pressure of if I can't do this, I can't make money and then I'm going to starve and I'm going to get evicted. And so you tell yourself the story subconsciously that this is life or death and yeah. then you can't perform. So um, she, my vocal coach, told me she's like the main thing here is we have to calm your nervous system and I want you to read the power of now I want you to meditate I want you to do yoga stop all the exercises like the vocal exercises that's not the thing and at first it was frustrating because I'm like well, what is that going to do like now that I understand what muscle tension dysphonia is that's 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 the cure for it and I'm talking and I'm and I'll get to that but I'm talking, I spent thousands and thousands of dollars on every treatment possible, whether it was rolfing or acupuncture or um, hypnosis. And it was all, I think it all contributes. I would go to like the rolfing guy or the muscle release person and I could talk again. And then an hour later, I couldn't. Um, so I, that was when I began to, I finally had to let go. I was like, I can't do voiceover. And it was during, then the pandemic hit. And so I was at home with nothing to do. I couldn't even drive for Lyft or go do nanny work or get another job. So I decided to really, I just threw myself into the spiritual world. I did do yoga every single day. I did meditate every single day. And the meditation is, you know, I used it as a tool in relaxing my nervous system in grounding myself and and yoga also being a moving meditation yeah. really helps to center the nervous system now once it's I wanna, that, oh yeah go ahead please um well i want to ask about the meditation because i like talking to people about like we say we meditate but we don't really tell people yeah. what our meditation looks like so during yeah. that time what you, you mentioned grounding but like what did it look like when you would sit to meditate uh, that's a very good question. Um, a lot of it, as I said, was yoga, where it's just that focusing on the body and the breath. But the meditation itself, I am someone who likes guided meditations. 
I've since I now do transcendental meditation, but at the time, what I was really doing was a lot of honestly just YouTube videos of centering, uh, releasing anxiety, um, whatever I was feeling that day, whether it was like I need, I want to open my third eye or whether I wanted to relax my nervous system or let go of worries or whatever it was, I like that voice guiding me through it so that I can release control and I'm giving it over to that voice and just following following the prompts and just following along with that I think is for me I still really enjoy guided meditations yeah um it was it can be hard to still your mind on your own especially if you're new to it at least in my experience yeah um I want to backtrack for a second because I personally know you so I know that you didn't speak as a child for a really long time and then this happened again Yep. When you couldn't speak as a child, can you tell us about your journey of not speaking as a child? Because yeah. it's kind of interesting that when you couldn't speak, that is what brought you into meditation and connecting to a different like level of the planet or the <laughs> cosmic world. And by the way, I'm wearing an out of this world shirt for I you today. I just noticed that it's so cute. Um, yeah. So it's like interesting that that both came from places of silence, but do you mind telling us about that and then no, coming back to, to where we are now? Yeah, no, that's, I'm, I'm, I love that you get that, that you understand the theme because as a child, I was born with a large birthmark on my face, but also I was born with a highly sensitive nervous system. So from day one, I was hypersent, like highly, highly sensitive to the point where if my, like, if my mom turned the vacuum cleaner on, I would freak out. I couldn't handle any kind of noise. So at age two, I was already She was probably and... really annoyed with you. We're <laughs> <laughs> really grateful that she couldn't clean. <laughs> I know, right? I ended up, um, I was reading and speaking by the time I was two, but then one day I just stopped speaking and I wouldn't talk to anybody and I wouldn't, emo- I wouldn't show feeling, I wouldn't show emotion. And now I understand. So my parents took me to a child psychologist and how long were, was that time period of you there not was speaking? Three, three years of not speaking. Wow. And it's called selective mutism. So I can speak, but I, it's an anxiety disorder. And people were always pointing at my face and asking questions about my birthmark because they're little. And I was in Montessori school and the kids I don't want to say they were mean because I don't think they, they were just babies, but they were saying things that were unkind to me. And I could not, I didn't want to be seen because all it did was attract unwanted attention. And I was told I was ugly and I was told I had duty face. And so I just decided that Those my of you way- who are listening, um, Shannon is incredibly gorgeous. Oh, just so you know. You. That's so <laughs> sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because, again, this is another thing that I find so interesting is that when when you're told as a kid that you're unworthy, unlovable, or for whatever reason you feel unlovable, whether it's abuse, you know, physical abuse or uh, emotional abuse, or even just bullying or little kids saying things about you, that stuff can stick with you for such a long time where I did not think that I was attractive 
until like yesterday. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. like my entire life, I literally held that you're ugly, you're ugly, you're ugly, you're yeah. unlovable, you're not worthy. And meanwhile, so, when we're children, they tell us sticks and stones will break our bones and words will never hurt me. And it's actually your bones will heal. But the imprint that the words can leave in you can last forever, especially if you aren't doing the work <laughs> to help realize the difference. But yeah, it's kind you of backwards. <laughs> correct about that's beautiful, Nadia. It's so true. Um, and yeah, so I stopped speaking and I was in therapy and the therapist thought that I might be autistic um, because I wasn't speaking, but I was highly intelligent and I was, I, I had a super high IQ and yet I was non-emotive. I was non-emotive and didn't make eye contact, not because I was on the spectrum, but because it was my way of shutting everybody out because it was too scary to be seen because I was met with criticism. Um, and then I also just felt so sensitive and, and overwhelmed by other people's judgments. I, I still do, but I've done a lot of work around that now. So then the fact that later in life, I lost my voice again, it is not lost on me. Um, I know that there's a theme here and I'm actually, I say I'm writing a book. Let's just say I've written eight pages in like a year, but I'm, <laughs> I know that this is something that I, I'm called to do. Um, and because there is this theme of being voiceless, not only not also not speaking up for myself, having difficulty with difficult conversations and confrontation and assertiveness, but also um, literally physically losing my voice, which feels very karmic when you really look at the theme of it all. Um, I'm a voice actor. So how ironic is the kid who didn't speak is now a voice actor, but then she loses her voice just as she's suddenly thriving in our industry. So it's, I started to, and the thing is I had done voiceover for like 15, 20 years until I really started to make like really good money doing it. And it was like an everyday thing and I was in demand and I was doing really well. And then I lost my voice. And so it was devastating because I had struggled financially. I had struggled to find my purpose. I had wanted, I had been working all these dead end day jobs. Even when I had some voiceover jobs, I still had to have a day job. But then by the time I was making six figures and I was had the stability, that's when my voice went again. And so I think obviously there's karmic lessons within all of it. Um, and in the stress of it all, I had to turn inward because I was so in so much deep grief. I had worked so hard to get to where I was. I was loving my life. I was loving my career. And then all of a sudden it all came to a halt. And I knew, and I wasn't, I was not in incredibly spiritual, but I had gone through 12 step. So I had this spiritual base and that was for sex and love addiction, which as you said, sticks and stones, my way of manifesting all of that. I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. I'm ugly was to chase unavailable people to reinforce the fact that I was uh, indeed unlovable. And so uh, and seeking for validation from other people always needing to hear to, I wasn't safe unless someone else thought I was worthy. Um, I wasn't safe unless I was dating somebody attractive or so that it would validate that I'm attractive. It was like, I couldn't, I didn't have my own base. And I also struggle with severe anxiety to this day. Um, I manage it much better now, but there was all this stuff happening. And so during this time of the pandemic and I lost my voice, I read The Power of Now, but I also started reading books by mediums. What were you going to ask? 
I was just going to say Eckhart Tolle, if people don't know the book, he is the author. Um, will you tell people, yes. you've mentioned the power now a couple of times, will you tell yeah. people what it is, what it's yeah. about? People that read it, read it multiple times and get obsessed with it. Um, so I'd yeah. love you to share it. Yeah. And again, I, I'm not, he's, he says it so well, but I, I, in a nutshell, it's really true that if we're in the present, if we're in the now, so here I am present in the now, there's nothing wrong right now. I have breath. I have life. I have my health. I do. Um, I have, I can breathe. I'm fed. I just had breakfast. I'm sitting with a lovely friend and I'm, the temperature feels good. I can feel the air on my skin. I'm present with, I feel peaceful. I'm hydrated. I have everything I need in this moment. If I start to think about what happened yesterday or what's going, oh, okay, I'm right now I'm fine, but oh my God, I have this bill to pay tomorrow and I don't have enough money to pay that bill. If you're living in the past and you're living in the future, you're in a constant state of stress. You're worrying about the past. What could I have done differently? Oh, why did I say that embarrassing thing? Or I was really hurt in the past and I'm still holding on to that. It's um, somebody said something that was hurtful. You're in a constant state of mental turmoil because you're living in the past and rehashing the past. And you're also focusing on the future that hasn't even happened yet. So focusing on the now and presence can bring us back to peace. So that's kind of the essence of it is being present in the now. And that's what yoga is too, being present in the now. It's when you're focusing on your movement and your breath, you, you, you can be worrying about the future at the same time. But if you're, but you keep bringing your, your consciousness back to now, right now, I'm focusing on balancing. I'm focusing on my posture. I'm focusing on easy breathing. And that's why we feel so wonderful when we get out of yoga. It's just this peaceful feeling of endorphins and centeredness. And in that moment, you're just, you're just present. It's the same for meditation. Now meditation can be you can your head can be chattering away while you're meditating and there's no right or wrong way to do that um my transcendental meditation teacher is like chatter's part of it let the chatter happen just let it be repeat your mantra you know repeat it repeat it but it's not actually what his idea is that it's not what people think a lot of people who meditate say uh the point is to stop thinking. Like the point is repeat the mantra to, nope, stop thinking, stop thinking, stop thinking. No, he's like, no, it's bring it back, bring it back, but let the chatter happen. If you have yeah. thoughts, let them, let them happen. Sometimes the way I um, say it is like, you know, you have a brain and it's created to think and it's really good at its job and yeah. we should be grateful for that. So what I do a lot of times is I say, thank you, not now because it's not always in service. Like when we're going to the future, we're going to the past. It's not always like in service of us. So I just say, thank you, not now to come back um, to whatever I am, because I love that. there's no point in getting angry at your brain for being awesome. Yes, that's <laughs> right? so true. And sometimes those thoughts are information that maybe when we're busy, we don't hear those thoughts. And so we don't know it's there. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes we need to pay attention. Gonna, 
yeah, sometimes you go in a little rabbit hole before you even realize that your brain has gone there and that's also okay. You needed to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And so you came to a meditation and yoga practice to help yeah. heal so you could speak again. Yes. And um and I'll tell you and yeah, and I'll I'll and and from that actually as I said, yoga, meditation and not having work. And I started uh, reading books by mediums. I always was really interested in mediums. I always was interested in the Long Island Medium and yeah. John Edward and all of those and Tyler Henry, Hollywood Medium. Yep. I would watch them. I even spent, I actually bought all of the seasons of Long Island Medium to watch on Amazon because I, you know, I, I love, I loved it. And I always thought, wouldn't that be such a great thing to be able to do? I wish I had that gift, but I did not know until I read the Long Island Mediums book. John Holland is a well-known medium. Um, and Suzanne Giesman also is one of my favorite mediums. Yeah. They all and I'd like books. to tell yeah. everyone that um, Shannon has actually done a reading for me. So I can personally attest to her being a really talented and intuitive oh, person. You. Yeah. So um, her, her website will be in the show notes. So if anybody is interested in having like, their self-read or connecting with anyone that I can truly stand by oh, what she thank does. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that, Nadia. Um, yeah, I I read in these books, all of them said, we're all mediums. And most of them said, I wasn't, I didn't wake up with this gift. Some people do. Some people from birth see spirit right in front of their face all the time. Some yeah. people see light. Like the Tyler humor. guy. Yes. And I didn't have that. I was very, very sensitive. And I now, looking back, remember some things that I think I was experiencing spirit but didn't know it. I was just little. I remember seeing a man walk down the driveway with a top hat and a cane and a long trench coat walking all the way down the driveway and just... And my parents said I kept talking about somebody called No Man all the time. And I think... He, I, that might have been him. I don't know. But it, it was I'm. it was probably a spirit just trying to connect with me. And I would freak out because I didn't know who that guy was. Um, but I didn't, um, I had no knowledge that I had this ability. I just knew that I was really sensitive. So at that point, I learned from these books that you can train to be a medium because all of it, we all have a sixth sense. It's part of our anatomy. It's part of our, our, our senses. It's not supernatural. It's not paranormal. It's natural and normal. It's how we know when someone's creeping up behind us, even if they don't make a sound. And that's because from an evolutionary standpoint, we need to have those senses to be able to detect why are cats and dogs sensitive to earthquakes coming? How would they know? Because they have a sixth sense. And so I learned that we can develop that sixth sense. I just got chills. So I feel yeah. like spirit just like walked into the room. Yeah. Um, kind of like I, an, just like an innate knowing. It is an innate knowing. And we all have it, but we often don't trust it don't listen to it or don't believe in it or we think that's just silly so i started to i i put it all on credit cards i signed up to take a class with a celebrity medium who had her own show i'll just name her because she's not i'm not allowed to say she endorses me because she, she doesn't one way or the other but she her name's monica the medium she's an amazing teacher she's very young and so gifted and she uh I had studied with some other mediums as well, and I took her class, and then suddenly I went into that class being like, oh, I, I'm going to be the 
worst in the class. I don't know how I could possibly know how to do this. And by the end of the class, she's like, you're doing it. You're doing it. Like right now, it's like getting on a bike. It's just when you're a kid and you have the training wheels. And what my dad did is he just like took the training wheels off and told me he was holding on, but he really let go. And that's kind of what it was. She just kind of like held the bike and, and then let go. And suddenly I was doing it. And um, that's when I, I started to get really excited. And so here's where meditation comes in. The biggest part of mediumship, connecting with the other, with the, with spirit world, with the unseen entities, with guides, is um, me, me, uh, meditation. Meditation every single day. Granted, I'm sure I didn't do it every single day, but that had to be a daily practice. And I'll tell you why. In order to be able to know when spirit comes in the room, like I just felt it and I don't know who it is or why, but it could just be support from guides as I talk about this and share, you have to understand what your own energy feels like first before you can tell when another spirit joins you. Because if you don't know your own energy well enough, the difference between my thoughts and spirit's thoughts are so subtle. The subtleties in energy are, it's, it's so delicate and gentle and it requires a lot of just faith and trust um, it's so subtle that you really need to know how you feel, how your soul feels. So meditating is a way of getting you in touch with your soul self, with your light being self. It's shutting out everything that's happening in your life, your worries, your concerns, your, your work, relationships with other people, dynamics with other people, and gets you back to your own center so that when you get comfortable enough just sitting in, in your own power, which is your own energy. I know what I feel like now so well that when I have a spirit come in, I can be like, that's a grandfather feeling. I don't see a grandfather standing there. I feel it's, I feel the relationship between a grandfather and a, you know, if I'm with my client, I can feel that this is more of a grandfatherly relationship. So sometimes when I'm reading, I'll say, this is a mother figure. It doesn't mean it's actually your mom, but it feels like you have that kind of mom relationship. So it could be grandmother. It could be mother-in-law. It could be a mentor that feels like a mom. And the only way I know is it's this very subtle energy that I'm like, I just feel it. And I know it's not mine. And I'll give you an example. Like, um, yesterday I, or two days ago, I did a reading and I was saying, you know, I was with this guy's uncle. Now the uncle was from Israel. The guy was from Israel. His whole family was from Israel. And then I just, I was sitting there and all of a sudden I said, I see a Canadian leaf and I see the Canadian flag. And he said, well, he had moved to Canada. That's where he had, that's where I visited him. And that's where he passed. Well, I know, I don't think about like, there's no reason why I would that thought did not come from me. I could feel that it wasn't my own thought. First of all, because it came out of, I, I have no reference. To, I mean, I don't haven't seen a Canadian flag. I haven't thought about it. And it's similar even just with their energy coming in. That's not from me. This doesn't feel like me. This feels like somebody else. So that's why we meditate every day. And also we meditate to connect with source. We, we, we meditate to expand our energy field and the biggest thing I'll say, and then you can, ask, I'm sure you have a question, but um, about connecting with the unseen world is intention. And meditation helps connect with that intention. So 
people have asked me as a medium, do you just see and feel and constantly get spirit messages? No, because what I do is when I'm going into a reading, I set an intention. That's when spirit comes. Sometimes spirit comes, like, like I said, just when I'm talking, I'll start to feel spirit come in. And so maybe after, who knows, there might be a message for you. We'll see. Um, but sometimes they just come in while I'm talking and I'm like, oh, there's somebody here. But for the most part, I say a prayer right before my, my reading. And I say, please let all of my own thoughts, feelings, fears, judgments leave and replace them with the thoughts, feelings, judgments, emotions of spirit. And let me be a clear channel. And now I'm ready to work. And that's when I start to feel things and tune into what I'm seeing. Because yeah. otherwise, if we were tuning in all the time, we'd be completely overwhelmed and we wouldn't be able to be present yeah. in this world. I always tell my clients now, I am, yes, I'm working for you because I care about you and because you're paying me, but I work for spirit. I am, I am of service to spirit. So I always ask because I don't get to choose who comes through. I don't get to choose what the message is because they know what you need to hear today. It's, and I always say they, they're going to tell you what you need to hear, not necessarily what you want or expect to hear. Now, usually it's one and the same. I also say I don't choose who comes through. But usually the person you wanted to hear from comes through, I would say 90% of the time, maybe more. Um, the other thing is I always say that too. I always say let the messages be in Nadia's highest and best good and in the highest and best good of the spirit world. Um, but yeah, it's the meditation part of it that I meditate before I go into a session as well just to clear my mind so that I'm ready to receive. So I'm getting rid of whatever happened that day. It's not about me. I now am exiting the scene and I'm asking to just clear out any kind of worries that I may have or any kind of my own junk, just my own clutter. And yeah. I want it to leave so that I can be wholly in service to spirit. And of course, as a human being, I care so much about my clients as an empath that I'm sitting there crying with them when when they're crying, I'm crying. And that's really what means a lot to me is the connection. But my job is to bring this person peace and to help spirit deliver messages to them. Yeah. I have a question about your meditation back when you were taking the course and that being a part of the daily practice was pretty important. And it was to start to know what your own energy feels like so that yeah. you could feel all different energy. Um, how, because a lot of people were, were trying to slow down our mind and have moments of peace and connect to our intuition. What does it look like or feel like to um, start to understand and connect with your own energy? Because that's a little bit more. Yeah, that's um, a really good question. I think as humans, we identify so much with our bodies um, and who, what we do for work and what we, how we look, how we feel in our bodies, whether we're, you know, the color of our skin, the, our attitudes, our religion, whatever it is, like our perceptions, how we were raised. There's all this identifying with this external stuff when really we're all one being in light. We have differences in the way we, our life experiences, our cultures, our religions, our, you know, ethnicities. But at the end of the day, we're all exactly the same stuff. We're all the same balls of light with different costumes on and different lessons that we've come here to learn. And so in getting to know ourselves, we're not so much getting to know, like I, the way I feel is it's not getting to know Shannon it's getting to know my higher self. It's getting to know the soul that came into this body named Shannon, the energy of light 
that I, where I actually come from, who I actually am. I am you, you are me. That's actually who we are. It's like, there's no separation between you and me or anybody else in this world, because we're all in my opinion and belief system. We're all part of source. And all we are is these little webs with different balls of light. And we all incarnate into different forms. And that's the only difference between me and you and, and me and a cat, me and a dog, me and a plant. We're all the same stuff. We just are put into these bodies where we perceive through our senses. That's how we perceive the world. So in fact, mediumship, I always tell people, it's when I switch into medium mode, I'm just changing the station, the radio station. I'm just, all I'm doing is I'm talking to you, Nadia, and we're talking as friends. And then all of a sudden, when I want to tune into like your family members, I just say, all right, switch, switching my awareness to the other realm. So getting to be, know yourself. Be careful when you say switch right now, because <laughs> they might pop Right, in, right. Because right? then they're say? like, hello, right? I know. <laughs> and uh, and if they do, I love it. I love it when they do anyway. It makes me, I, some people are like, this must be so draining. I'm like, oh no, it's so uplifting. I never, I think I do sleep a really long time after readings. Like I get tired, but not in a way that's draining. It's like restful. Yeah. So I, it, so to answer your question, it is when I say getting to know who you are, I mean, your actual soul, what does it feel like? And there's no way to even explain what it feels okay. like. That's my next question. Like how yeah. do you explain? Like, yeah, I guess when you sit meditate, you have an intention perhaps to get yeah. to know and feel your energy. Yes, that's correct. And so that's what it's about is it's something that's wordless to me. I can't say, oh, my soul feels like yellow or my soul feels peaceful. It's like the unnameable because it's all it is. It's just, it's just a feeling. And as you meditate repeatedly and you do it every day, mediums are trained that we should be doing that every day if we ideally so that we constantly stay in touch with our energy so what does it feel like yeah. and then that way I can tell when a different energy is around or yeah. I can I can d distinguish it does make sense to me personally because I have noticed when something feels different and it's around in my meditations pretty yeah. much only but and it's not like I was trying to feel my my energy versus another energy. I just yeah. became quiet enough that I knew the difference in a yep. way. Exactly. That's, it's so simple, so simple that it actually feels confusing. Um, and look, and I also tell my clients, I'm only going to be probably 80% right. So I always say, if, if you tell me something doesn't resonate, don't worry about it. I might be wrong. Usually in a reading, it's because they don't know the information or have, or are not don't remember it because I would say almost every person I read writes to me the next day or the day after and says, I just remembered what that, and now I know what it means. Or my mom verified this, or I didn't know it, but this was actually something that happened in our family. But the other thing is I say, it may be wrong because as much as I do meditate as often as I can, and I do sit with spirit and myself and my own soul, sometimes it is hard to tell. Is that my thought or did that come from spirit? It's kind of it's sometimes very difficult to tell. And so I just tell them everything. I just say, look, I'm going to tell you every single thing that comes into my head. And so I'll know, I know when it's right, but I don't always know when it's wrong. So, um, but that's why I keep, that's why it's an ever evolving process and why we're always evolving as mediums. We're never perfect. 
There was a great medium who recently passed, Mavis Patilla. She was one of the most famous mediums in the world. And she said, if you're any medium who's 75% accurate is like one of the best there is. And so it always makes me feel better too. But that's because we're only human. So we are still processing uh, things through our through our six senses. And sometimes it's just a thought, a remnant. Sometimes it's just a little, maybe I was looking at Instagram and saw too many cat videos that day. And I'm like, is there a cat here? And they're like, nope. Okay, that's probably because I was just looking at cats on Instagram or whatever. So, um, but for the most part, that's how we keep getting better. And I know in my practice, I've gotten better and better and better. And I think of readings I did two years ago. I was like, oh man, I had so much, so much more to learn. And there was so much. Now I see the, now I see how I was thinking and not feeling into that information. Like I would look at someone and try to be impartial, but then I think human judgments would come in. Like this person looks like they'd have a brother or this person looks like they probably grew up around this area. But now I just find mediumship easy because it's, I've learned to simply receive the information and I don't have to do anything. So I used to get stage fright beforehand. And now I'm like, there's nothing to be afraid of. All I'm doing is literally letting spirit show me things. And all I'm doing is telling you what I see. And I don't have to actually do anything. It's counterintuitive. All the other work we do in this world practically is like, we have to do something. We have to try. And with mediumship, it's you don't try. It's less try and it's all trust. It's a big trust fall. Yeah. It's I, and it's not worrying about my ego. What if I'm wrong? Well, if you're wrong, you're wrong. Who cares? It's just a matter of jumping off the cliff and just knowing that spirit will catch you. And they always do. Yeah. Uh question <laughs> so yeah. as far as um now you're like pretty skilled at connecting it sounds like mostly with other people's guides and yeah. family and um do you take the time or do your personal guides show themselves to you in your own time or when you're meditating or has this other practice become so strong that it's harder to feel your own guidance? That's a really good question. I, for me, it is harder to feel my own guidance because I don't know for sure if it's coming from me or from spirit because I can't be objective about my own stuff. So, um, but also and that's your the, spirit that you talked about before yeah. is a higher guide. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and yet it's easier for me than it used to be. I mean, I still, Sometimes sit and I'll say, guides, what do you want me to know today? And then I have to resist the urge for my own brain to come up with an answer to that. So that's why I think it's a little harder for me. And I, uh, but I do tend to know right away what they want to say, because it's like, I already know, I already know what I need to change in my life. I already know. And that's because they're always there. We always know if we're honest with ourselves and we sit down and we're like, what do you want me to know today? I already know exactly what I, what I need, what shit I need to get together. I know what things are not in my highest and best good or what things I could be doing more of or, um, but for the most part, I have tried to receive messages from my own loved ones in spirit and it can be tricky, but I'll tell you, there are times when I'm like, no, I know that that was that person. So I lost a friend and I was, um, hiking one day and I was out in the rocks I, had, I was visiting Arizona before I lived here 
And I said to him, I just want to see your soul. I want to see what your spirit, like really see it. And he goes, and I heard his voice say, you're looking at it, dum-dum. He used to call his friends dum-dum, but it, it happened, like I heard it so fast and I heard it in his voice. And the reason we often can't um, tell is like, did I make that up? Because I know his voice and I know how, what he would say, or did he actually just say that to me? But I was looking at this beautiful nature. I was out in the middle of the rocks by myself hiking. And what he made me feel and said to me was, I'm in every tree. I'm in the wind. I'm in the sky. I'm part of everything and everything is part of me. And that's what he meant. I, you're looking at it, dum-dum. This is my soul because I am part of everything. And I, yeah, and I just got chills. So um, I, I knew it was him. I knew it was him. It felt it just because it didn't quite come from me. So that's kind of how I determine. It's like, it's harder to read yourself because you know your loved one so well. And so you could hear your dad's voice saying something. You'd be like, oh, he would probably say this. You know, you could just mm -hmm. almost hear what he would say. Um, but actually that's the day I realized that I couldn't remember my dad's voice was a very devastating day because I was 11. So like being able to right. remember to actually hear his voice is like, I can't, but I can still hear things he would say or feel him yeah. there, but it's just not a voice because I can't remember can't it. Hear. Yeah. That was like a really sad um, realization. <laughs> it's like, I have no you idea what my lot. dad sounded like. And it's not like I have recordings or phone messages or things like that because I was yeah. 11. Yeah, that's, I know, that's so sad. You hear that a lot when when you do forget that day. And Maybe I wonder if that makes it easier for you to pick up on his energy now because you don't have that bias. Do you do you commit? Do you feel him giving you information or um, comforting you or sending you messages? Yeah, I I'll have moments now um, where it's like I he's just hanging out with me. Yeah, where it's like the TV on his birthday went in and out of, um, I never did that, but it was like in and out of, um, fuzzy like twice. And my yeah. boyfriend was over and I was, and it was his birthday. And I was like, Oh, that's just my dad. And, um, so of course he's like, oh, okay. Now he gets it because it happens sometimes. So he's like, yeah. all right. But we just got up and I poured him a beer and said, happy birthday. And we all took a sip of it. And I brought it to the TV and set it on the a little table next to us so he could be there and hang out. And there was another time when I was like um, driving home from work and um, we sang American Pie at my brother's wedding for like him because he loved that kind of music. And the radio went in and out um, from what it was on to American Pie. And I went up a channel and down a channel and it wasn't there, but it went That's in and so out cool. of it like three times. And I was like, oh, hi. <laughs> hi, dad. Because so spirit it can communicate very well through electricity. Yeah. It's because they're energy. And so yeah. that, and that there's so more common. instances of that and it's always him, but you know, yeah. that's always been a hardship in my life. So yeah. I think he's just reminding me like, I didn't leave you. Yeah. Absolutely. A hundred percent. No doubt yeah. about it. And I'm glad that you know that doesn't make the grief easier, but it does. At least, you know, they're not just gone forever right. and they don't exist anymore. It's and not, it wasn't, you know... it wasn't personal because if you're a kid, it's like, oh, you left me. You know, yeah. it's, it's not personal. <laughs> it's normal to feel angry. That's part of it. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's and that's why I love the work I do, because I'm very well aware that it does not 
it doesn't stop the pain. It doesn't, you're not, you're going to be in grief for the rest of your life. It's, and it will just change. You'll learn to live alongside of it. But it really means a lot to me to be able to bring hope to people that you will, first of all, be in the same form again. And also he's already here witnessing every single thing in your life. And it doesn't mean that you don't crave the touch or the sharing or needing his advice or wanting to just talk or all of those things are, it doesn't ever get easier, but what it does, I think, at least for me, make me feel like it's not as scary. Like death isn't as, I'm not scared of death at all anymore. I love my life and I don't want to leave, but I know that when I die, I'll actually be extremely excited because yeah. my podcast, I interview near death experiencers who have been to the other side and they all say they didn't want to leave once they got there. Because once you detach from this life, that's where you realize is your real home. That's your true home. And this is just visiting. And this is just us experiencing things. And they all always say, that's the reality and this is the dream. So, um, I and that's why my favorite quote, which I am going to get tattooed on my body, <laughs> is life is but a dream. Where, yes, it's real. It's important. Connections matter. Grief is real. But it also is just a dream. Yeah, and You can so get like a little stream going behind it because you row yes. your boat gently down the stream. <laughs> just row your boat gently down the stream. It doesn't mean you're not going to hurt. Life is painful. Life is hard. I mean, you know, as much as I preach all this peace, love, and, you know, not happiness, but, but you know, content, peace, and love, I have the worst anxiety. I mean, I have horrible, horrible anxiety and have to be medicated, but it does help so much to have that sense of this is just a dream. We're just floating through it. We have to experience this in order yeah. for our souls to evolve. And so at least I can make better peace with it. It doesn't mean I always succeed, but it does help to row the boat with less effort. Yeah. So I'm really glad that you mentioned meditation. I mean, medication and yeah. meditation because um, people that have had trauma or do have this kind of anxiety and these underlying issues, um, medication and working with a doctor as well as meditation can go well together, but yeah. meditation isn't a cure-all. Mm -hmm. um, but also it's interesting because sometimes I wonder, do would I get deeper in my meditation if I didn't have medication? Yeah. You know? And so like hearing that you uh, take things for anxiety and the things that you deal with, but you still have this ability to connect, um, to spirit and is kind of uplifting and neat to hear that the medication yeah. isn't holding you back from that kind of connection. I was afraid that going on antidepressants would affect my connection with spirit because I had heard some mediums say that don't be on any kind of medications. I didn't find that it, it impeded me at all. Now I did go off of it recently and then found that it was, I was not managing things very well. So I went back on and the last week I did have a reading that was a more tough, some of them are just tougher. And the reason from what I understand is that sometimes the person just didn't have a really strong need. There was no heal, real, like he was very at peace. He really had, he just kind of wanted to come to me for curiosity to just say hi to his family. And sometimes when people come with that, there isn't as strong a need. And so spirit doesn't pull out all the stops to bring out like the, the you know, they're not going to come with the heavy hitting stuff. They're not going to come with the mic drop stuff because the person doesn't really need it. And coming, lowering the vibration to get those messages across is a lot of energy spent. And so a lot of times 
if they don't really need it, spirit's not going to sort of not waste their energy, but like, or if you already have a strong connection with your loved ones in spirit, they're not going to talk through me so much. They're going to be like, she already, she knows we're there. Like we've got, we've got already got each other. We don't need you. Um, but I did kind of wonder for a minute, like, is it the antidepressant? Is it because of that? I don't think that's the case because I also know that when spirit needs to get a message across, I have done readings with a migraine and had it be one of the best <clears throat> readings I've ever done. Like I was, I recently had one where I was like, should I cancel? I'm, I took a pill, but I'm not feeling well. You know, my hormones are all wacky. I have a migraine. And it turned out to be one of those readings where it was like everything was like hitting the ball out of the park. So I think it doesn't have to do with medication. Obviously, you don't want to take like barbiturates or something. But I think when spirit wants to communicate, they will communicate and nothing's going to stop them from getting the message across. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you about uh, transcendental meditation. And I also, you can answer this in either um, order that you like. What kind of tools or suggestions or support do you have for people that are starting a meditation practice or coming back to a meditation practice or just new ideas maybe that they haven't thought of? So yeah. um, tips and tools or transcendental meditation or flip-flop it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that people that it's the kind it's similar to what I just said about mediumship where it's less trying less forcing and more allowing so I think people say I don't know how to meditate I can't meditate I have ADHD I can't meditate or I think people think they have to do it perfectly just like yoga you don't have to do yoga perfectly you it's you have to you know it's like letting go of that story that I can't do this you could meditate for two minutes and it has value. You don't have to go into meditation for an hour and be a Buddhist and like sit there and totally clear your mind completely and have no thoughts. It's the perfectionism I think people go into it with that that is the uh, hindrance to them evolving, being able to evolve their practice. So let go of expectation. It doesn't have to be perfect. It can be sitting there. It could be having a million things floating through your head. When you start, you know, ideally it's good if you can kind of get to a place where your thoughts aren't intrusive. But if they are, it doesn't mean you're not meditating. It's just a matter of like letting go of the perfectionism and being open to just being open to it and being open to receive whatever happens without judgment. So going into it, don't put yourself on, don't have any expectations. Just close your eyes. Just breathe. If you're doing guided, just listen to the voice. Sometimes you might be listening to the voice and then all of a sudden you're thinking about a paper you have to write for school. And then you realize you've been thinking about it and you haven't heard a word that the, that the person has said. No problem. Nope, died. Bring it right back. Yeah. So um, all you need to do is sit and breathe. If your thoughts yeah. are taking you away, you said no one died. Yeah. Well, maybe someone died. Maybe someone died. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, either way, you, I don't know your you life. just, yeah, you just yeah. come back when you can to the yeah. voice. I have a very or to the breath. Mind. Yeah, I have a very busy mind and it's okay. It's still effective. Um, and then transcendental meditation was the second part of that question. Um, so with transcendental, as I said, I, I really like guided, but it's you're given a mantra. It's a word. It's a word that doesn't mean anything because if a word means something, then you're going to attach a meaning to it. And then you might have some kind of a an idea attached to it or some kind of thoughts attached to it. So it's a, a made-up word, and it's 
really is it like being... is it a word like crock pot or yeah yeah, yeah it's it's a word like something like, that doesn't like, you don't use it's like i'm just gonna make one it's like a ling or something a ling, oh. like someone like you're t- and i don't I don't know a ton about it, but I just know, you know, your your teacher gives you this word so that it's not something that came from you. They just assign you a word and your your word might be meringue and that's it for the rest of your life, whatever. And so then you you sit in silence and you sit comfortably and you repeat, let's say it's meringue, just say meringue, meringue. You can say it out loud at first. You can say it in your head. You can say it slow or fast, and you just kind of on a loop say the word. No, no particular speed, just maring, maring, and you just say it in any way you want. And then after a few minutes, you just let the word go, and then you just sit, and you just let whatever happens happen. And as I said, my teacher, uh, his name is Kelvin Chin, he just says let whatever happens happen don't fight thoughts don't push them away don't do anything just literally let whatever happens happen what i really appreciate about that is it's made it easier for me i used to get very antsy as we all do look at it if you're in a line at the dmv is everybody not looking at their phone because we're so accustomed to be able to we're bored we can just look at our phone while we're waiting i've been practicing don't look at your phone just meditate. You don't have to close your eyes when you're in the DMV line, but just meditate. Or when I'm in a waiting room in the doctor's office, I literally just sit and meditate. And I was at the uh, chiropractor recently and I saw this woman sitting there with her hands up and she was meditating in her place. And I was so happy to see her doing that. We were just waiting and she was very openly just in meditation. And I thought, how beautiful. And that's, and she was Indian. And I think that's such a big part of Indian culture that it's it's ingrained it's it's something they're taught from birth and it is a way of who wants to wait in a waiting room for 45 minutes but if you just sit in your presence it can be very a time to decompress a time to relax a time to touch base with yourself inst i'm not judging because i'm addicted to my phone as much as anyone but instead of scrolling through instagram be just sit just be at peace just repeat your mantra in your mind and and I found that it's really helped calm my nervous system because when the more we're looking at all of this stuff, and I know this is partly my anxiety, why I have anxiety is the constant information, emails, text messages, um, all the things we're consuming. It's just nonstop barrage of information and stimulus. Well, if you're highly sensitive, especially that's going to stir up your nervous system for, you know, it might even, I, I get muscle tension, dysphonia flare up still sometimes, some days I can't work because I still have random panic attacks. It's a fight. My body goes into fight or flight, even when nothing's wrong. And um, this kind of just helps. And it's just because there's so much stimulation all the time until your nervous system gets over overworked, over um, stimulated. I could be excited and get muscle tension, dysphonia flare up. Something really good can happen. And I'm like, yay, this is exciting. Oh, there goes my my nervous system's all tense now because I got stimulated. And that's how sensitive I am. It's really just about letting the process happen and being in your own presence. And you can bring the mantra back. You can let it go. You can bring it back. You can let it go. And it really does help. So what I is also, the point yeah. of what is the point or the difference of transcendental yeah. <laughs> transcendental meditation? 
as opposed to a different style you're trying to transcend yeah. human yeah, tra yeah i like yeah you know i don't want to i'm not like an expert on it um i just that's what how i look at it is you are you're transcending i may be i mean everyone might have a different interpretation but i feel like it's transcending the human not that there's anything wrong with our humanness but it's just taking time out from that humanness and and yeah tra like transcending it transcending it and being zen no matter what's happening around you no matter what is everyone has stressors in their day and in their life all the time and people there's always horrible there are always horrible things to worry about it's just taking that moment to be present and know that in this moment all is well no matter what's happening i'm transcending it i'm just i'm i'm transcending it and it's not to say that hey, transcending has this implication of superiority which is not meant to be implied in that it's just it, it's not that oh i'm i'm transcending all of this i'm above this it's just kind of taking yourself out of it for your own for your own mental wellness to get in touch with your spirit to be able to look my belief and understanding is that we're here literally to love that's it we're here to love one another we're here to learn how to love despite difficult circumstances we're here learn, we are here to learn how to give love some people never learn it but the point is that we are meant to be here to love show love be love and it's really difficult to be love when we're under stress and we're feeling anger and i have to tell you i'm a really really loving person but i just had a cross-country move went off my prozac and ended up with such severe adrenal exhaustion that I was having panic attacks. And guess what that caused? Anger. Anger, irritability. I was screaming at people. I mean, not screaming at people I love, but screaming at companies, <laughs> you know, who, did, who, you know, normally I would be really angry, but I wouldn't like s curse at them. Um, I was having a really frustrating time and I was getting really angry a lot. And when you're angry, it's really hard to be love. <laughs> and it's okay to feel anger. Anger's healthy processing. It's just what you do with it. So, I know when I'm anxious and stressed, I get angry, irritable, short-tempered. That isn't the person that I'm not putting my best foot forward in the world. You don't. I also want to stress too that those feelings aren't bad; they're part of the human experience. You don't want to you don't want to spiritually bypass hard feelings. Feelings are information, but I think it is important to also take ourselves out of this human for just periods of time, even just during the day, because it's very overwhelming. There's a lot to be stressed about. There's a lot of pain in the world. And I think it can just help us to get back in touch with who we really are, remember where we come from, who we are, what we're here for. And of course, somebody dies, you have every right to be angry and sad and feel grief and pain and anger. And you don't have to feel, you don't have to be all peace and love, but why not? It can't hurt to add those elements into your life whenever possible. Yeah. Probably can also be angry and still be love. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of um, helps to, to, to lead with love more and also, but more importantly, you got to love yourself first before you can give love. And so self-care, it's just, it's just taking care of yourself. Yeah. Um, what is the meditation that you'd like to lead us all in after this well, episode? Thank you. The, uh, meditation I'm going to lead you through is a sitting in the power meditation, which is again, and I'm going to tell you this, that's important. Sitting in the power while you're in this meditation, 
This is not about connecting with spirit world or trying to receive information from spirit guides or loved ones in spirit. This is just simply about feeling your own energy and being present with that energy. So it's feeling that energy so that when you do make an attempt to connect with your loved ones in spirit, you'll be able to feel them more strongly. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited. I hope you guys all stick around for the meditation. I would like to thank you, Shannon, for taking your time to chat and tell us what you know and a little bit maybe of what you don't know. Yes, which is a lot. Thank you so much, Nadia. It really means a lot to be asked to be on your podcast. It's a really big honor. Thank you. Okay, we'll see you in a second. Yep. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you stick around for the meditation on the next episode. If you're interested in wellness coaching through a meditative lens or starting your own meditation practice with accountability, check out TheMeditationWard.com. Give us a follow on Instagram at TheMeditationWard and please like, review us, and share with your friends. See you soon.